Hey, thank you for listening. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? I have over 130 different videos. I have videos with more scary stories told in the rain, scary stories by a crackling fire, and I also have videos that are less relaxing and more on the scary side. Go check it out, and please don't forget to subscribe. In the YouTube search bar, just type being scared. All right. Catch you later. I live in Carroll Island, a place where you can find a good amount of forestry everywhere. This was located in Baltimore County. I loved this bit of forestry. I have lived in the same house since I was seven or eight years old. The forests that surround my house always had some urban legend behind them. Some of these were mostly told by older kids who were just trying to scare the kids who would wander about the streets. The teens would always go into the woods to smoke pot and drink alcohol. I hated that, but it's how they got their kicks. I was outside my house, sometime near January on a full moon. This is when clowns were starting to appear all over the place. I never believed in them, and still don't. But this night was different. I walked inside my house with my brother, and my friend who we'll call Kyle. Kyle was from the Dominican Republic, and had always believed in the paranormal. We were hanging out in my brother's room, watching that controversial Logan Paul Suicide Forest video. Once it was done, Kyle remembered it was a full moon that night and that the clowns, supposedly, were going to come out. I told him I didn't believe in it, and that it was all just a hoax. He told me that if I didn't believe, they would get me. I laughed at that remark. That's when my brother, who I'll call Josh, sat up and said that I was just being a wuss. I told him that he was being a jerk. We got into a conversation for about a good ten minutes, when Kyle finally says... If you don't believe in them and you're not afraid, why don't you go prove it? I said fine and told them that I would be right back. I know just the place to prove it. There was a little place down the road that was put there for a park, essentially. The only thing that it had was a small bridge that went over a pond. I left the house, got onto my bike, and rode off. At the entrance, there's a set of woods that is private property for houses on the water and some abandoned houses inside. The entrance is easy to see, can't miss it, and personally, I thought it looked really nice and non-threatening. As I was walking up to the entrance, I had noticed a foul odor. Keep in mind that this is a wildlife area where things tend to die and decompose. I was about to walk into the park when I shit you not, Something had spoken to me in a low, somewhat luring voice. Hey there, kiddo. This is when I went into panic mode. I am someone who isn't scared off easily, but somebody had spoke to me and were hiding. The unknown, that's what scared me, not knowing who it was or where they were. I turned towards the small patch of bushes near the entrance 
and I see something crouched over deep in the bushes, facing me. I couldn't tell if it was a clown. I didn't care at this point. I just knew it was a person. I was about to man up and walk towards it to see who it was, when he spoke again. That's right. Come over here. That's when I knew it was time to leave. I instantly wailed in fright, almost pissing myself, and crashed into my bike. I floored it back to my house, and at this point my body is in complete hysteria. And Kyle said that once he opened the door, I was not comprehensible. It took me a few minutes to calm down and realize that I didn't need to be scared anymore. I explained to Kyle and Josh what happened, and we agreed to go back the next day and check it out. The next day we did not go, and I have not been back since. I sure as hell will never go there alone again at night. This happened to me yesterday when me and my best friend were just hanging out as we normally do at my house. We were really bored, so we decided to take a walk around my neighborhood. Or so we thought. Let me tell you about my block. There is a hospital nearby, and my neighborhood has a history of drug and alcohol-related incidents, but those don't happen very often. Nevertheless, it was kind of shady. So my friend and I, for privacy reasons, we'll just call her Jay, were talking, messing around and such for the entire walk, having a blast in each other's company, until we were about to reach my house to finish the walk. Now let me set the scene. So we had just turned a corner to walk down our street, with houses on one side, a parkland on the other, and a two-lane road separating them. My house is right next to the parkland. Jay and I were walking down the footpath on the side of the parkland towards my house, in silence, just taking in the views, I guess, I don't remember. But when we were about 50 meters away from my house, I heard a footstep about 15 meters away from me and Jay. Only one single step. I casually turned around, expecting a young teenager or maybe an elderly person because that's usually who we would see walking along these footpaths in my area. But what I saw will be burned into the back of my head for years. Fifteen meters away, there was this very off-looking man. He looked relatively young, I'd say, maybe mid-twenties. He had a skinny figure and dull, lifeless eyes. He wore a dark hoodie and jeans, and he was looking at me with this very unsettling look in his eyes. But the absolute worst part of this was that the man was limping very aggressively towards us. It looked unnatural. It looked like he was possessed, and he had the most disturbing grin on his face that I've ever seen in my life. It was twisted. His head was cocked to the side. And the man's teeth were so yellow, I could actually see it from 15 meters away. He looked 
psychotic, and he looked like he wanted to harm us in a very brutal way. I whipped back around and told Jay to start to quickly walk back to my house, because running might make the man angry and then run after us. We don't know if he's high, drunk, or what, but I was too panicked. I didn't even mention why we needed to run. Jay turned around and almost screamed and stared in shock. I've never in my life seen someone pull that kind of face before. I grabbed her wrist and we sped up to reach home. I turned around and the man was about nine or ten meters away, and he was moving faster with that disturbing, broken limp of his. If it did not look scary or unnatural to begin with, it sure did now. We are two young teenagers, and even if we both fought against the man, I don't think we would win. Even if he was on the skinnier side. We sped up, and it was a full-blown chase. No running, but very close enough. He was chasing us with his fast, demonic limp, and we sped our walking to the maximum, trying to keep the now 10-meter gap between us. We managed to get home safely, and I peeked through the window by myself as Jay was in shock for a bit. The man had slowed down, but was still limping. He had crossed over to the other side of the road. He went out of sight, and I closed the curtains, still shaking. After all of that, Jay and I went back into the kitchen to grab some water. My kitchen window kind of overlooks a bit of the parkland, and we have a decent view of it. We both saw the man slink back into the parkland, and then never saw him again. Afterward, I thought about the whole incident, and probably got even more unsettled. I only heard one footstep, no pattern, nothing, just a thump on the ground, that's it. It then hit me. The man was trying to attack Jay and I. He was trying to sneak up on us. It gives me the chills to think about it. Knowing that if I didn't hear that single footstep or didn't turn around, we could have been in some serious trouble. Who knows what could have happened. Back when I was a freshman in high school, I was part of this choir where we would sing the songs that our school required us to sing, like the national anthem or some church song. To be honest, I wasn't the best singer and only joined for the benefit of skipping class. The skipping class part was great and all, but staying late for practice was kind of a downside, especially when it was before a big school event. One day, we had to practice near the school's botanical garden because the place where we usually practice was being occupied by another group of people. Some of the members of the choir were kind of hesitant about practicing near the gardens because there had been a lot of scary stories surrounding the place, and no two accounts are the same. I, on the other hand, just wanted practice to be over. We practiced until around 8 or 9 p.m. At around this time, there would be only two gates that would be open, 
if one wanted to leave the school. The college gate, which was all the way across from where we practiced, and the track and field gate, which was near, but you had to pass through the garden to get there. Me, being a lazy man, decided to take the shortest route outside the school, while the rest wished me luck and went the other way. I believe that any place can be creepy as long as it is dark, and the gardens were no exception. I brought my phone to call my parents. It rang once before being answered. I talked into my phone, telling my parents where to pick me up, but no answer. I stopped the call and then called back. Same thing. No answer. I called for the third time to ask them to pick me up, almost shouting into the phone for an answer, but still got nothing. Finally, I gave up and decided to text them. After walking through the garden for about a couple more minutes, I finally reached my waiting destination without incident. It was a creepy walk, but I was kind of relieved that nothing out of the ordinary happened. My parents came after about 15 minutes of waiting, but something was off. When they stopped the car in front of me, they got out and frantically asked if I was alright, and they seemed very worried. I told them I was fine. They told me that they got all of my calls, and I asked them why they didn't respond. They told me they did. All they heard was me screaming, help me over and over again. This story took place my sophomore year of high school. I was 15, young for my grade. It was a Wednesday in the winter. I joined the honor society at my school. Besides meeting and talking about how to help my community, we also had to meet at 7.20 a.m., which was 25 minutes before school, and since I wasn't a morning person, missing more time to sleep was always frustrating. That's why I was always late. On this day, I was running late again. Being 15 years old, I couldn't drive myself to school yet, so I had to have my grandma, who lives with my mother and I, take me to school since at this time my mother would be getting ready for work. My grandma hit the garage door button on the wall, and we got into the car. Once backing out and closing the door, she would pull out of the driveway. Now, she looked back towards the front windshield to pull out to the right towards the street in our cul-de-sac, and I screamed for her to stop, and she quickly slammed on the brakes. There was a man about six feet tall, dirty blonde hair, wearing all black. He was only illuminated by the headlights, since on winter mornings, it was pitch black, and today it was raining. I noticed something in his hand. Being the observant person I was, I thought I saw a knife. The man didn't look at us or wave to say sorry. He just stood there, in front of the lights for about 10 seconds before continuing to walk through our yard towards our neighbor's house. We watched him disappear into the darkness. 
I live in a neighborhood where we all know each other and watch out for each other. We all own about one acre of land. Recently, my neighbors have had work done around their houses, including taking down some trees. So my grandma, with her heart of gold, continued driving as we discussed what just happened. She assumed that he was just a worker or something, working on the property. I knew that he wasn't. I told her I thought he had a knife, and she brushed it off, saying, Maybe it was just a worker holding a dustpan or a shovel. He could have just been walking through our yard like a shortcut. But no. Something told me I had to warn my mother. So I began trying to text my mom. But no texts were sending. Nothing was going through. I texted her. Lock the door right now. But when it went through, she didn't understand. She started questioning me, saying, Why? What's wrong? At this point, I called her, quickly explaining the situation and yelling for her to lock the door right away. She did, and two seconds after she did, the man opened the screen door and tried to get into the house. When it didn't work, he tried to kick the door down. My mother then called the police. I don't know how quickly the police arrived, but we live in a small town, so I assume the response time was fast. When the police arrived, she told them what happened, and they wrote a report. Later that morning, the man was found a couple roads down. He tried to get into some other houses too, and when he did end up getting into a house, a man had chased him out with a shotgun. He was caught and arrested, and was found with a huge butcher knife. Although this isn't the most extreme ending, it always holds a lot of what-ifs. What if I hadn't been late that day? What if I hadn't gotten a hold of my mom? And the biggest one of all, what if I wasn't late and my grandma would have asked him if he needed help? I'm now a junior in high school and it's been a year, but the effects of this encounter still haunt me. I'm afraid to be alone. I will double check or even triple check the locks and listen intently to the sounds of my house when trying to go to sleep. If I hear something, I'll get up and check it out every time. He has made me paranoid, but I guess my fears are rational. Who expects their own home to be the site of a creep encounter. I was 16 at the time of this event. My close friend Sheila and I were driving back home from visiting my distant family in West Michigan. Back then I resided in Portsmouth, Virginia. It was 11 p.m., and we were the only drivers on the road. Mind you, I have never taken this way before, as I wanted to skip the toll roads this time. Sheila and I were so busy in conversation that we hadn't noticed coming upon an abandoned town somewhere in Pennsylvania. As we finally caught hold of our surroundings, I had a horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach. My friend caught on, as she asked me if I was alright. 
I said, yes, I'm okay. This town is just creeping me out. I really wasn't lying. There were old houses with boarded up windows and abandoned old town stores. Even cars and trucks were left abandoned on the road. It honestly looked like a scene out of a horror movie. My friend and I stayed silent. You could feel the drastic change in the air. It felt sinister. A couple minutes of silence pass, and my car starts to shake. I realize that we're out of gas. I forgot to stop miles back in a different town. Shit. I yelled, pulling over in front of me. Right in front of another abandoned house. Oh, what a great place to break down at. She laughs nervously. I nod, agreeing with her sarcastic comment. I took my phone out to call roadside assistance that my parents programmed into my phone. I didn't have cell reception, so I got out of the car, and Sheila followed. Now, this is where it got scary. I'm completely focused on getting reception that I didn't realize that Sheila was staring completely ahead, looking terrified. She whispered my name before pulling on my shirt. She points ahead. There's a man standing about ten feet away from us. I follow her gaze, and I see him, standing in front of my car headlights. How can anyone be here? This place is a dead town. I didn't breathe or speak. My heart was in my stomach. But finally, Sheila spoke up. Do you need something? She called out. But right then, he tilted his head and smiled widely, scaring us even more. At this point, I'm so terrified, I can't even move. He just stares at us, smiling. My dad is a cop, Sheila yells. That was a big mistake on her part. His expression turned to anger, and he started to walk towards us, very fast. Our adrenaline kicked in, and we ran back to the car, got inside, and locked the doors. We looked up, and the man was gone. I was breathing so heavily, it was distracting me from the sound under the car. He was underneath the car. Sheila is screaming, with tears flowing down her cheeks. I was trying to stay calm, praying to God for my phone to get service. Suddenly, somehow, two bars popped up on my phone. I called the cops and alerted them about what was happening. They responded and said they would be there as soon as they could, in about 20 or 30 minutes. By the time the phone call ends, the sound under the car had stopped. I was on high alert, scared out of my mind. Sheila and I are basically hugging each other, crying. Suddenly, emotion leaves her face as she looks behind us through the back window. My heart tells me not to look, but I can't help it. I looked. I really wish I hadn't. The man and four other men were standing there. My heart dropped, and they all smiled. 
I realized they had baseball bats or something in their hands. But I started to hear police sirens and relief started to come over me. Sheila and I look to the front and see the cop car pulling up. I've never been so happy to see a police officer in my life. By the time he walked to my car, the people were gone. I was so shaken up I couldn't even explain to the cops what had happened. Sheila managed to do so. They offered to get gas for us, but instead I just begged them to bring us to a hotel in a very populated area so that I could call my parents to come get us. To this day, the cops never found the people or where they could have possibly come from. My guess is, is that they all lived in one of the abandoned houses. I really hope they block this town off someday. I never stopped in that town again. I'm 25 years old now, and I was 17 when this happened. I am 6 feet tall. I don't scare easy and never run from a fight. It was my senior year of high school, and I went to a party with my now ex-girlfriend. I let her drive, which was my first mistake. Long story short, we ended up arguing on the way home. The party was up in the hills. I live in upstate New York in a city called Elmira, and the hills surround my city. So in my drunken logic, I thought I would hop out of the car while driving home because she was pissing me off. I quickly realized this was a bad idea because I was still a good 30 minutes drive from my house, but in my drunken pride, I refused to call my girl to come back. By now, it's about 2.30 in the morning, and I'm trying to call my friends to pick me up, and nobody is answering. Finally, I get my friend Tyler on the phone, and he says he's going to be on his way in a minute, and I started walking on the road I was on. I was playing music on my phone as I walked. Mind you, I have woods on both sides of me. It goes road and small ditch, then about five feet incline of straight trees and bushes. This is technically a two-lane road, but there is no painted lines on it or anything of the sort. I started hearing noises in the woods on my right. I turned off the music and stood still when I heard something moving, probably about 15 feet away to my right. But the sounds stop a couple of seconds after I did. Like whoever it was, didn't realize I had stopped and caught himself. I stood there a minute and then brushed it off. But I started walking down the middle of the road in case there is something out there. Being drunk, the normal warning bells that should have been going off weren't. Now, I'm just listening to the woods and the bugs while walking, which is creepy enough. And then I hear it again. It's like someone is walking and not even trying to be quiet. I stopped again, and then the sounds started to get louder. Whoever it was was walking towards me. I always walk around with a pocket knife, 
and this time was no different. Elmira isn't the best town, and a fight, or worse, is always around the corner. At this time, I pulled out my knife. This huge guy steps out of the tree line. Like I said before, I'm a pretty well-built and tall guy, by no means small. This guy towered over me. He was wearing a brown jacket with the hood up. I could tell he was older because he had white hair in his stubble. He had a weird face, looked kind of like Dolph Lundgren, the weird jawline and all. I can't see much else of him. Now me being drunk and not knowing what to do, I said, Guy, you scared the hell out of me. What are you doing? He just stands there, says nothing back, just stares at me with his hands in his front pockets. This guy was starting to give me a really bad vibe. So we had a staring contest for about 30 to 45 seconds, but it felt like much longer. Then I said, Are you good, bro? Still nothing. I just start walking sideways so I can keep looking at the guy and pull my phone out to call Tyler to see where he is. The only movement this guy made was turning his body to keep looking at me. By now, I'm walking backwards to keep eyes on him, and Tyler tells me he's close. While talking, I notice the guy disappeared. I start hearing more noises in the woods, and then I tell Tyler to hurry the hell up. At this point, I'm on the opposite side of the road, clutching my pocket knife, walking sideways, staring into the woods. Tyler finally pulls up next to me. I told him on the phone what was happening, and he gets out of the car. Everything is silent. We turned our flashlights on our phones and started looking around. And that's when we started hearing people talking, and then out of nowhere, extremely loud noises, like five to ten people are breaking branches and are approaching us very fast. We looked at each other and then quickly got back into his car. As we were pulling away, three or four shadows jump out in the road and then stop, staring into the car as we drove by. My question is, what the hell were those people doing in the middle of nowhere, with no lights or anything? at three o'clock in the morning. I have no idea, but I am so glad that Tyler pulled up when he did. I'm also glad I made sure to talk loud on the phone and let them know that I was being picked up. I don't mess with the woods now, for good reason. This event happened to me about two years ago. It was a few months after my 15th birthday. To give some background about the situation and about me, I was about 5 foot 9 at the time, and the last school year I had done cross country and wrestling as my sports. Now don't take this the wrong way, I was one of two 95 pound wrestlers on my team, being the second smallest kid on the team. So as you can assume, I was not the scary type. 
Also, me and my little brother were raised Mormon, even though we don't go to church now. So due to this fact, him and I were extremely sheltered from the real world, especially because we grew up in the mothership of Mormonism, a.k.a. Utah. To give you an idea, I did not have any idea about drugs before I moved to California. Now that you understand this about me and my little brother, let's get into the story. So it all started as a friendly road trip going from Utah back to California. It was me, Jake, my little brother, who was three years younger, Zach, my stepdad, my grandpa, and my grandma. My grandpa was driving with my grandma and shotgun. Jake and Zach in the middle row, and me in the very back with the luggage. After a long day of driving, we found a hotel to get a discount at in Mesquite, which is around Las Vegas. We stopped, parked, and got our room keys. Me, Zach, and Jake would be in one room, with my grandma and grandpa in the other. After we got there, we all took our stuff to our rooms, and Jake and I wanted to go down for a swim, because the hotel advertised their pool, and it looked awesome. My stepdad graciously said that we could go, and told us when to be back, and we said all right. This is when I should tell you that neither me and my brother had a cell phone. All I had was a second generation iPod to tell the time. So when we got down there, we went to the pool for a bit, and then to the hot tub. There were two women in the hot tub. Let's call them Megan and Annie. Megan was a mother, and her children were playing in the pool. They were around mine and my brother's age. Annie was a lady who seemed to be in her thirties, maybe, but for some reason, she looked like she had lived on the streets her whole life. But no alarms were going off in my head yet. Looking back on it now, as a seventeen-year-old, with everything I have learned, she was one hundred percent on drugs, and I mean something hard, like crystal meth or heroin. My little brother and I get into the hot tub, and soon we are all engaged in conversation. Annie was the one who pulled me and Jake into the conversation. She started off by asking how our day was going and questions like that, and soon started to ask where we were coming from, where we were going, and personal questions about us. This is the point where I want to say an alarm was going off, but I still just told her everything, not thinking at all. Later, Megan was talking to Jake and Annie, and I was listening when I glanced over at Annie, and she abruptly looks at me and says something along the lines of, You know, it's very rude to look at someone's breasts without asking them first. After she says this, I'm completely dumbfounded. Then she continues and says something like, Yeah, I know that they are nice. And I can understand why you were looking at them. Me being older and all. At this point, I'm like, holy shit. Lady, what the hell is the matter with you? What are you talking about? I'm only 15 years old, and I was not looking at your breasts. Then, Megan leaves abruptly and takes her kids back to the room. So it was just me, 
Jake, and Annie. The weird conversation continued, and eventually Annie said, Do you guys want to come back to my room? I have something really cool that I want to show you, or something along those lines. Somehow, for some reason, Jake and I agreed to see what she was talking about. We started walking to her room, and we get to a point where we have to go up some stairs, and out of nowhere, Megan appears again, and says, Annie, I'll wait here with them, go get it, we'll wait for you, or something like that. Surprisingly, Annie complies, and walks up the stairs to her room to get whatever it was she wanted to show us. As soon as Annie was out of sight, Megan turned to us, and with a terrified look on her face said, You need to leave right now, go back to your room, and do not come back out here again. Right when we heard this, everything clicked in my head. Extreme stranger danger. Then me and my little brother ran as fast as we could back to our room. The whole night I was afraid she would find us somehow, so I couldn't sleep. Looking back at it now, I could have never seen my family again, been raped, or even killed. I might owe my life to Megan, and I deeply wish that I could say thank you. This was in January of 2016. I had gone up to the shopping center that was about a 30 minute walk from my house. I had taken the bus up there, but it only stopped at the shopping center once an hour. While I was usually taking the bus home from the shopping center near my house, the bus wasn't due for another 45 minutes by the time I had done what I needed to do, and my 10 year old brother was at home alone. So I decided to walk back to my house instead of waiting basically an hour for the bus. On the way home, I saw a man, maybe 40, 45 years old, walking in the opposite direction towards me. I got the impression that he was dangerous. He didn't look right. Probably because as he was walking, he was just staring at me intently. As he walked past me, I got a sinking feeling, like when you're on an airplane and it starts its descent. As I continued to walk, I felt like someone was behind me, so when I got to the bus stop I made it look like I was checking the bus times, which gave me an excuse to turn around, and once I did, my heart started racing. This guy had changed direction and was now walking in the same direction as me. He was walking faster than he was before, and this scared the hell out of me. I was close to the road that I would usually turn up to get to my street. I turned on the street, and had walked about 25 meters up it, when I heard loud footsteps behind me. He was still behind me, and was getting closer. I decided that I would cross the road to put more distance between us, and also to get to the street that was across from me. From here... I could go a longer way home. This longer way home had lots of corners, making following me a lot harder to do. This street also had a lot of teenagers who were at home due to it being summer, so if the guy tried anything, 
there were a lot of people who would likely hear me screaming. Now, you may be wondering, why didn't you just call the police? I had been stupid and left my phone at home. So that was not an option. Even if I did have my phone, I probably wouldn't have called out of fear of provoking something. I'm about 170 centimeters and weigh 64 kilograms. I am not large enough to take on this guy. He looked like he weighed about twice what I did, so I was going along the long route when I turned to look behind me again. He was still there. This is where I started my plan to get back to my house. I turned the next corner and sprinted along the path as quietly as I could. I was on the street that my house was on. If I was going straight home, I would have gone left, but I went straight ahead towards a small park that was just up the street from my house. The reason I did this was because I could go up through the park and around to get to my house. As I was crossing the road to get to the park, I looked back again, and I saw him jogging up the path I had just come from. He saw me and started sprinting towards me. Luckily, I had a 150 meter head start. I ran through the park, up and around to the left. The area behind the park is like a maze, so this gave me an advantage. Once I was behind the park and out of his sight, I continued sprinting for a house that had an old shed in its front yard. The shed was empty and the door was open, as always. So I hid in there, able to look through a mirrored window, and he was looking around for me. He then walked the way that I was planning on going to get to my house. I was still too scared to leave the shed, so I waited for about ten minutes before I saw him walking back towards the park on his phone and I could hear part of what he said. Yeah, I lost her, but I think she lives around here. After he passed, I waited another ten minutes before leaving the shed and sprinting to my house. I called my mom who called the police, who in turn called me. I gave a description of the man and refused to leave the house alone for weeks. I never saw him again, and the police never found anybody.